All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio, episode forty-one. Uh, I have Jason back once again due to overwhelming responses from all the space episodes. We had many requests from folks to do the ISS, to do Virgin Galactic, and to do SpaceX, and we are going to do each of them. Um, and ter- as for G- Virgin Galactic, you know, with the 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 mouthpiece and the face of that privately held corporation being Sir Richard Branson. I had written an article for the Higher Side Chats, I don't know, it's been a year or two now, I don't remember how long ago, where I got into the idea of what it means to be knighted by the Queen. And as I started to research into it, I found two things. The first thing I found is it's not easy to understand what is being conferred on someone who is knighted. The second thing I found out was that there are levels of knighthood. In the case of Jimmy Page, and I hope I'm getting this right, this is from memory a couple years ago, I think he's a knight or a commander of the realm or something like that. I don't have that exactly right. But Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin was knighted, and he's some kind of a knight of the realm or something to that effect. When I tried to dig in to understand what had been conferred on him, I couldn't really get anywhere. Having said that, As Jason and I began to talk about uh, taking apart Virgin Galactic, which will be one of our next shows, there's no getting away from the man who was knighted by the Queen sitting in the middle of the New Mexican desert in a place called Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, putting up what I consider to be a fraudulent spaceport. Um, You know, they've been at it 15 years. They can't take a damn vehicle up to the edge of space, drop it back down and reuse it in a day or whatever their criteria is. Um, It's ludicrous. In 1968, we are told NASA put their first Apollo guys in space. In less than a year, they told us they put guys on the moon and brought them back. These timelines do not jive. If this was possible in the 60s, you know, putting a man in space supposedly for the first time in 68, um, and then straight up to 69 where they put a guy on the moon and bring him back, which is what they are telling us, how is it that with all the modern technology and experience... Sir Richard Branson can't even take a vehicle to the edge of space, drop it back down, reuse it some period of time. It's it's nonsense is what it is. But my belabored point here is I believe Jason and I are going to take another run at trying to demonstrate or discover in some way what it is that's being conferred on these people that are working for the Queen that are knighted. Um it's an interesting thing. There are levels of knighthood. Clearly, if you're knighted, there must be perks and other things or responsibilities that go with it, one imagines. But like I said, the first time I went at this, I found very little. So that will probably be included uh, if we can find more, and we will talk about it um, in the Virgin Galactic episode. It may be one more space episode. We may opt to do Virgin Galactic and SpaceX in the same episode, but we'll just see where it goes. Truth is, overwhelming response. So many people submitting their research uh, coming to the conclusion that, yeah, man, these worldwide space agencies are not telling the truth about nearly everything. Um, It's been wildly popular, to say the least. So here we go. We're going to jump in, and let's take apart the International Space Station. You know, the International Space Station is not far away from the moon landing. In my view, the moon landing is not a gray area. It is flat-out fraud. It is flat-out provable fraud from any individual who chooses to set aside the nonsense and scrutinize what we've been handed. 
The only thing about the International Space Station is, is that there is a light we can see that tends to be very close or on the mark to the schedule we are handed. I've seen it a handful of times. I even saw it visibly through a telescope across the moon um, before I was had the ability to film. And just so you know, I mentioned this again, um, that light crosses the moon in less than a second, probably close to half a second. It is very darn quick. You blink, you miss. Um, anyhow, let's jump in to episode 41, the International Space Station cartoon. All right, man. Welcome back to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 41. Uh, we have had such an overwhelming response from all the space episodes that we've done that we're actually going to address some requests. Uh, we had people request that Jason and I tackle the International Space Station, which this show will do. We've had quite a few people ask us to tackle SpaceX and, uh, of course, the fraudulent Virgin Galactic there in the middle of the New Mexican desert in a place called Truth or Consequences, of course. Um, so that will be the lineup for the next couple shows. Um, I had initially set out to do two or three of them, but the response has been overwhelming. So many people are sending emails and messages and doing their own research and really coming to the conclusion that these space agencies have not been telling us the truth. It's that simple. Uh, but with any further ado, uh, welcome, Jason. Well, hello again. So you ready to tackle the uh, International Space Station or the ISS as I as it's known? I, I suppose I should mention that's basically a version of 9-11 encoded, um, particularly if you look at it from the point of view, uh, even in simple numerology, it's going to come back to ones and nines. Um, if you reduce it all the way down, um, you would get nines, but there's an S exception for some numerology that would keep it at 19. But I would point out in Hebrew and other ancient dialects, um, the vowels are often swapped at random or implied, which, again, if you looked at ISS, uh, you can imply the other I and flat out, uh, you know, make it 9-11. So there it is. Now, that's an interesting way to start things off. I did what I always do, and I looked at the history and tried to get as many facts as presented from mainstream sources. And, um, you know, I thought maybe the space station would be the one that could possibly have some validity to it just because they're not doing anything insane like going to another planet. So, but as with everything, I found pretty major inconsistencies. So, well, let's address that real quick. Um, as a guy who's spent a lot of time behind a telescope and observing the sky, I can tell you flat out, there is a light that comes by. Um, at scheduled times that is supposed to be the International Space Station. You see a hell of a lot of faked video of it transiting the moon and and uh, in other ways. And I would point out one of the ways you know the video is being faked is if you shoot anything transiting the moon, um, the moon is backlighting the object so well that the object should be black. Many of the faked videos... Um, First of all, show a very crisp ISS in the shape you would expect to see it, but it's white or gray. This is not possible. But I would further point out, even the fraudulent, in my view, fraudulent video that's been provided by NASA is shot at a very high frame rate. Now, one time I did optically see what is supposed to be the ISS transit the moon. It was before I was filming. Um, <clears throat> it crosses the moon and let, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, excuse me, um, it crosses the moon in much less than a second. I mean, like a half a second. If you blink, you miss it. And if you look at some of the created video from NASA, you will see just how quickly this is supposed to be traveling. But this in its, on its own tells us something. 
so many of the things that we are supposed to, you know, that we can film and then these guys are going to try to tell us those are satellites in low Earth orbit. Well, it can't be. The, IS, the, the supposed ISS proves it because whatever it's traveling, 17,000 miles an hour, goes across the face of, the, of a full moon in less than a second. Well, how can it be all these little objects that I've filmed? I mean, some of them are crossing the moon in 15 seconds, 5 seconds, 10 seconds, all the way up to a minute. I have uh, objects transiting the moon for roughly a minute. And this begins to show the construct. And just to be clear, in my view, nothing goes above what we call low Earth orbit. When I say that, I'm not talking about what we call space. I'm talking about our atmosphere. So there it is. There's my cards on the table. So over to you, Jason. All right. To, uh, to give the background on the ISS, according to the CASIS website, and that stands for the Center for the Advancement of Science and Space, the official history for the ISS states that it took over 10 years and over 30 missions to complete. In 2011, NASA chose this organization to be the sole manager of, Internet, of the International Space Station U.S. Uh, National Laboratory. The stated mission of CASIS is to maximize the use of this unparalleled platform for innovation, which can benefit all humankind and inspire a new generation to look to the stars. Thing I, I thought funny what was about that is it'd be nice to actually see stars when you uh, look out the window. It would actually be nice to see some <laughs> unparalleled innovation. You know, this is this that line is reminiscent of the uh, space lab. You know, we were told, oh, we're going to save all this money, put space lab up there, do all this amazing science. Uh, the most amazing science I ever saw was they supposedly sprouted some seeds in space. So they spent a gazillion dollars to to plant some seeds, I guess. And here <laughs> on the International Space Station, what science have we seen that's so innovative? Well, the only ones I saw in videos were them, were them kind of playing around with little. Uh plastic things with water in it but I, i'm not going to slam that we don't we don't know what exactly they're supposed to be doing and we just don't you know haven't seen it i don't know as far as that goes but as far as the the dollar uh figure it has an estimated cost of a hundred billion dollars and it's been built through international cooperation it is supposed to be in orbit approximately 260 miles up and it's supposed to orbit the earth once every 90 minutes attaining speeds up to 17,500 miles per hour the ISS is supposed to have come from scrap plans of the proposed NASA Freedom Space Station, which was proposed during the Reagan administration in the early 80s. It started off on November 20th, 1998, when a Russian proton rocket <clears throat> takes the Zarya module into orbit. It's funded by the U.S., but built by Russia. Then two weeks later, on December 6, 1998, the space shuttle Endeavour takes the uh, U.S.-built Unity module into space and berths it with Zarya. This is considered the official beginning of the construction of the ISS. Other modules followed, with the first crew arriving in the year 2000. Now, from what I could gather, there are currently 32 modules, with four more currently scheduled to be taken up and uh, attached in 2017. The whole thing is said to have the volume of a five-bedroom house or approximately the equivalent of two Boeing 747 jetliners to end-to-end. Uh, -end. It can hold a continuous crew of six, plus visitors. The modules come from the United States, Russia, Japan, and Europe. So I guess that list of countries for me would be the usual suspects. Um, you know, they're they're all complicit in this. And, you know, it's funny, like now in the news where they're kind of pushing all this stress and pre-war idea with Russia. And yet we've had a space agency supposedly with Russia um, doing the whole ISS thing here for a lot of years. But I would point out another thing I noticed in in your intro there about the beginning of this whole supposed ISS thing 
is that over 10 years they did 30 missions. Um, and so look where we are now. Um, all of a sudden, shuttles blew up and they were too dangerous or too expensive or too something, you know, that we had to walk away from them. It smacks of fraud when you begin to lo logically take apart that early on over a 10 year period, they're doing all these missions with supposedly these massive components going into space. Um, not a problem. And then we get beyond all that and suddenly everything's blowing up all the time and it's too dangerous. And Bush the Jr. even comes out at some point saying we can't service the fraudulent space Hubble Space Telescope anymore. It's too dangerous. And of course, there was an outcry from all the universities all over the world that think they're actually getting data from an instrument called the Hubble Space Telescope. But you know, that's my take on it. When you look at the United States, Russia, Japan, and Europe, the European Space Agency, and I've already demonstrated that the European Space Agency is full of prunes. Uh, they're as fraudulent as any of them. I took apart the Rosetta mission where they supposedly landed on a comet, and I took apart the Juno mission. Um, these things are nonsensical, but there it is from my point of view. Well, it's all major Western nations obviously involved, but the counter-argument to that would, would be, well, You'd have to be a, a well-functioning country to be able to put any money towards this, because obviously it's in the tens of millions of dollars. Uh, there are various proposals for continued expansion of the station. Uh, up until 2020 is the current approximation when they want to run it to. So this isn't coming to an end anytime soon, unless, of course, they pull another disaster to make things come crashing down. Well, you got to wonder. I mean, you just mentioned that they're currently at 32 modules. What happens when they get to 33? Are they going to start playing their little <laughs> game? Um, you know, well, that's what I would suspect. Um, I, I don't accept that this thing is in space. And I think enough videos have been taken apart um, showing the fraud. I mean, if something is there, there's no reason to play shenanigans. You film it, you show it. And this is not what we've seen, but I, I think we'll address that later on down the line. Yeah, that, see, that's the confusing thing about the space station. Something is getting filmed. We're just not sure well, if it's there, then why, why the shenanigans? But um, anyway, all told, there's supposed to have been a total of 222 people that have lived or worked there with 47 crews that have rotated throughout its history. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, you know, when you start to think about that, think about what that place must smell like. Um, That's about I, what I was going to get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, man. And not only that, when I was in the Houston Space Disneyland thing, um, they showed the toilets. Um, it's a joke, man. Um, you would be not to be rude, but I mean, there would be feces and urine all over the place in a zero G place. There would be no good way to clean it. All these women with their long hair would be everywhere, skin. Um, it would be a complete disaster. And we've been told that guys have been up there for, what, a year at a time? I think the twin guy, the guy that's supposedly a twin of Gabrielle Giffords, um, who is now famous for her hoax shooting. Uh, Senator, was she a congressperson or a senator? I think she's a congressperson. congressperson. I think. Yeah, she's been outed. She's a fraud. And her husband is supposedly one of a pair of twins. And I believe that guy was supposed to have been up there for, I don't know, what was it, over 100 days or a year? I've forgotten. A long, long time. And when you begin to logically look at what that place would be like, had 222 people, 47 crews, and people hanging out there for hundreds of days on end, not being able to take a shower, it would be a nightmare. Yeah, and, and that's exactly the first thing I thought of. Human beings are not clean creatures. I mean, it's just just a fact. Hair, hair and dust would be getting everywhere. And what is dust? It's predominantly made up of dead skin cells. The place uh, on camera always looks 
like a freshly cleaned movie set, um, you know, and maybe they have have a reason for that. I don't I don't know. Uh, no one's ever called them out on that for them to have to answer it. But I, I doubt very much they have uh, high end Hoover vacuums up there. You know. No, it's you know it, it's stranger imagination, and not only that. There were times uh, when they were breaking down the cost of each pound that went up, and it was like $10,000. I'm just pulling that out of the air. It was a lot of money for a pound of weight to go up um, because they're telling us they're doing it with rockets. Um, I have seen footage of keyboards on the ISS, guitars, big stuffed animals, all kinds of stuff. And so if that would ever have been true, what they're showing you is that, you know, what's a keyboard weigh? It's got to be at least six, seven pounds. That's tens of thousands of dollars, really. Um, it just none of it adds up to common sense, man. Yeah, I saw a lot of those videos as well. And just what you said, I saw a guitar. I saw a, uh, I think it's a cheaper Yamaha keyboard and uh, several different stuffed animals. So, yeah, now maybe there's an allotment that they're allowed to bring, like, your personal effects so that you could feel more human. I, I, I could definitely see that, but uh, it would be very cost prohibitive. That's, that's very true. Well, the thing that always comes down to is we're told that the Apollo missions, one of the reasons they ended was expense. And we were told that Skylab was going to save all kinds of money. Well, at one point during my YouTube channel, I went back and I looked it all up. Um, in fact, Skylab and the shuttle missions cost many, many times what Apollo did. So if there's any truth to any of the arguments they make, this is nonsense. Um, you're not going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to put a keyboard on the ISS. And besides that, you actually have a supposed lab in space. Are you really going to be wasting your time playing keyboards and guitars, or are you going to be doing science? Are you going to be doing things that matter? Are you going to be involved in, in serious endeavors? And again, this is not what we see. Every time we see one of these fake videos from the International Space Station, there's not a damn serious thing going on. They are bouncing water bubbles around. They are showing us how to wash your hair without water. They are doing all these mundane things that don't even come close to justifying the cost you just mentioned. Yeah, and, and even on here on Earth, if you were launching a rocket or even uh, a plane, they have to take all the uh, weight into consideration because weight has to translate into how much fuel to push that weight. And not only that, presumably they're telling you, you know, we're going to do this until 2020, which is probably another bag of nonsense. My point would be is every little thing that would be put in a thing up there has to be dealt with. Of course, they'll probably make up the lie, which they have done a number of times, that they're just going to let it degrade and burn up into our atmosphere. But come on, we're talking about a small house here by their own account. Yeah, that's something I don't understand. Uh, if the orbit is degrading, wouldn't you just put a thruster on it and push it back out a little ways? Now, maybe that's not possible. I don't know the physics behind that. But it seems like if you're going to spend this insane amount of money, you're not just going to throw it away. Well, I've seen people go at that very question, Jason, where they are making the argument that anything in a low orbit is going to degrade over time, which means it would have to be corrected. Um, I'm not a big math guy, so you know I can't give it my stamp of approval, but I think it's an interesting idea, and I think the arguments were well-fashioned. Um, if it is true that by NASA's own accounts, anything in a low orbit will degrade over time, well, then how is it staying up there unless they're readjusting? Um, that's a pretty simple question. It, just logicking it out, I would assume that it takes X amount of years, like the Earth would be pulling it back in. That's what I assume they mean. And I guess if you're far enough out, it, it's a slow 
process. Uh, th- at least that's the way I'm taking the presentation as it is. Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, they're claiming they've got some 32 modules and they keep adding on. Um, just when you begin to scrutinize what you're being presented with and you begin to take it apart, you're going to come up with all these questions. The problem is, is that a, at least a handful of those questions each time you go at it are going to begin to demonstrate that the ring of truth is not in this anywhere. And that totally sets aside all the nonsense video we've been handed. We could do three shows on the amount of nonsense video we've been handed. And these are not really arguable things. Um, I did one not too long ago with some lady flipping water around inside this thing with electronics everywhere, trying to demonstrate how long-haired women wash their hair in this place that apparently has no military code for grooming of all things. You know, you join the Marine Corps, you got to cut your hair, females as well. Um, but on the ISS, they can go up with a pony mane. Uh, it, it just, it begs for some credulity is, is, you know, every time I look at it, it begs for credulity. And again, the last video I did on the ISS videos was to show these sneaky cuts and the lighting effect they used to make it look like it was a continuous shot when in fact it would, I think it was cut 19 times. Yeah, that's actually one of the points I put down. Well, multiple points is the editing and all that. The the first one that really bothers me, though, <clears throat> if I really had to point this out, this thing is supposed to look be the size of like two aircraft ca- or uh, two aircraft, uh, big jets end to end. This thing is also supposed to be 260 miles up. Now, if you go on Google Earth and look at an airport, look at a picture of, of a big old jet, just start pulling back and seeing how far till that gets lost in the shuffle in the detail like you can't see it more than a few miles up right and i did this experiment with the aristarchus crater to demonstrate that the moon's not a far as far away as we've been told using a naked eye object that's supposedly a quarter of a million miles away but of course we're using software so there is going to be a difference between if we could really get our naked eye up but with google earth i think they allow you to go up forty thousand miles or something like that um you make a good point. Uh, this is exactly what I did with the crater, and I, you know, I would urge people to do it. Go look at two seven forty sevens tail to tail in Google Earth and zoom up till you can't see them anymore. Um, of course, the light that we see—that's um, another problem that I've had because whenever the International Space Station, I have had a view of it with my naked eye with binoculars, and it's moving so quickly, it's not an easy thing to shoot. Um, it could be done, but it would take some doing, um, and you'd really need high frame rates. You would need exceptional slewing skill with it to get it with a telescope. Maybe a telephoto would be a better way to do it. My point is this: as soon as it comes into view, it's lit. Um, so what that would mean in the NASA orbital model is that the sun is lighting that thing. But the problem is, is it stays lit the whole time you see it, at least the handful of times that I have witnessed it, um, to include the, t- the time that I optically saw it transit the moon. And of course it was black. Um, it was not lit at all as it transited the moon because the moon was backlighting it. But, um, yeah, go go jump into Google Earth and look at two jumbo jets back to back um, and then begin to reason it out and zoom and, and things like that. Well, this is one of the things I actually wanted to hear specifically from your experiences. What did it look like and at what distances do you think you were viewing things from? Well, here's the problem. We're told it's roughly 260 miles, which is, by, by their argument, uh, a space low Earth orbit, which I don't accept. But you're looking at a point of light, and it's a pretty darn bright point of light, and it's moving right along. Um, I have seen some people who have actually shot the light. Um, there is some sort of a shape there, and it's always been a question, how is this being done? 
you know, I had people on that tried to demonstrate that the ISS is modulating in the same way that high altitude balloons do. They actually had the data and the graphs and they could match almost one to one that the modulation up and down um, of the ISS matches what high altitude balloons do. I've seen other people try to make the argument that maybe it's some kind of a balloon. However it's done, um, I would really like to know. Those, the, one of those things I just mentioned is very interesting, and the other one leaves questions. Well, how the hell do you get a balloon to travel at that speed? I don't know. Um, my point would be is we have enough video and data from the space agencies to understand that they're lying about the ISS. What we don't have is enough data about the light that goes by. But if you're a reasonable, logical person, to assume you're looking at an international space station is not the simplest argument. The simplest argument is you're looking at a light. You, you've seen all this fake video. You've seen all this data that you can take apart and it just doesn't add up. So how is it <clears throat> that people overlook these things and then say, well, there's a light there where they're saying it is, so automatically that's the space station. In my view, that's really where we start to lose solid logic. Um, what we can know about it right now, it's a light. I have no idea how it's being done. And the truth is I could probably know more if I spent a hell of a lot of time trying to get really, really good footage. It's just not the easiest thing to do. Right. So you'd have to go chasing this thing down just to get anything whatsoever. And, you know, there's a lot of folks out there listening. We now know that people are interested in the work that we're doing here. I mean, this is the fourth show in a row we've done. And, you, and as you've said, people have been writing to you like crazy. I'm actually getting people writing to me about it now and – Keep that coming. I, I love the fact that we're um, we're acting like a community to to attack this problem together, and I, I love that idea. And I think we need to keep doing that. So anybody who's uh, proficient with telescopes out there, let's uh, let's see what we come up with. You know, All right? Or even if you've got a good telephoto, um, my problem here is to do a shot of the ISS or what is called the ISS. You really need to be able to see horizon to horizon. Um, if you're on water, that would be fantastic because you'd have a nice low horizon. But the thing's moving right along. And so for a handheld shot, that's going to be problematic because every time you're trying to track something with a handheld, you're going to get blur in the image of whatever it is you're tracking. If you did it with a tripod, you'd have to have skills. And again, if you did it with a telescope, you got to be a Mac daddy. I have tracked moving things like chem planes with a scope. Truth is, scopes are not made to track moving things. So uh, eventually, I assume someone will provide more data and maybe we'll learn something more about what this light is or how it's being pulled off. Well, this could definitely be a work in progress, and we could pick this up at another time if we get more to work with uh, as far as observations. Right. I think Randy in Houston, uh, I hope I got this right, I've seen, I've, so many people send me footage, um, had got some footage of it. It was rough, but it was enough to, to see something. Well, I still talk to him on a regular basis. I'll see if, uh, if he's got anything. Yeah. So, moving along with our inconsistencies, and these aren't in any particular order. This is just as I was going through whatever I could find. And, and f anybody who wants to do what I'm doing when I make lists up like this, I'm just I'm Googling. I'm going through YouTube. I'm trying to find everything I possibly can. I'm going to the official websites, anything I can do, and I'm just kind of picking all the in through the, all the information and putting them together. Um, now, obviously, there's not going to be any kind of order to it because I'm kind of doing it as I go along. But for anybody who wants to know more... About any of this stuff that we've been talking about, this is all I'm doing. You know, I don't have some magic land I'm going to to get information from. I'm just taking the time, and it takes hours and hours and hours to go through all this stuff. 
Right, but it does demonstrate on YouTube alone there is a plethora of people who have taken the time to take apart the pool filming that goes on, the vomit comet filming that goes on, and all the fraudulent video that we've been handed that we're told is being shot in space, even complete in some cases with people misspeaking while they're on camera live saying things like uh, they're in space and they're floating in harnesses, which has been pointed out, um, and someone from supposed news station asked them, well, where do you train? And they accidentally said a little bit west of where we are now. <laughs> and he's, he's supposed to be in the International Space Station, you know. But anyhow, go ahead, Jason. Well, so women's hair doesn't seem to flow properly on camera. It seems frozen up in a really silly way, like it's uh, permed or, or just lots of hairspray or gel or something. Uh, there was one shot with a female astronaut that absolutely looks, no doubt, to be green screened. The background right. image is static, you know, it's just no movement whatsoever. And what's funny is it was badly done because there's a loose cable in the background that if they were indeed on a space station in zero G, it would be moving around at least a little bit because you do see that in other shots. And this literally looks, looks like it's just a picture in the background. Right. And, and here's where an adult thinking with a higher mind instantly realizes the ring of truth is not here. And there's no reason for it. If you have a place called the International Space Station, you have a place to put a camera, you have a place to shoot HD footage, you can present it as it's shot. And that is not what we see. It has never been what we see. Um, the hair thing became a big deal because at first it seemed like they were putting so much hairspray in it, it was like concrete. Um, and it was like snapping back into position, clearly not in a zero-G environment. Um, or if they were on the Vomit Comet, still problems because it was moving in a way that was clearly being acted on by, you know, other in other forces. But there have been videos taken apart of women with long hair on the ISS suspended upside down to get their hair to hang. Um, and you can see the puffiness of their face, the squintiness of their eyes. There's been the whole hairspray thing. Um, there have been people who have made the argument that it's being shot on a vomit comet and part of the data they use to do that oh i guess i should mention if for people who don't know what the vomit comet is it's basically a big hollowed out jet that goes on a parabolic arc and at one point of the parabolic arc you get roughly i don't know 30 45 seconds i think it's 27 seconds i saw on a video Okay, I've seen different numbers, but that's fine. 27 seconds, not very long. So you, you get roughly half a minute of zero G um, from this parabolic plane. People have argued that they have made a mock-up or green-screened one of these vomit comets, um, and they've made it very convincing because they've timed out where the cuts are and they've demonstrated that it does fit the pattern for a limited G uh, weightless environment. Um, other things they have tried to demonstrate to show how they are faking the International Space Station video is uh, there's a pool. I've forgotten, Jason. You just did looked all the stuff. Is it in Russia? Is that pool in Russia? No. It's uh, right outside the Johnson Space Center. It's actually one of the points I'm going to be getting to. Okay. Um, I, I always mess that up because I, I used to do searches for the pool. And at one point about a year ago, you could actually find uh, hidden images or, or very – low-resolution images where you could see the green screen in the pool where the ISS mock-up. Anyhow, to get back to the point, people have used the argument that this is being shot in this big pool where the ISS mock-up is. And we know this has occurred because the Chinese got caught passing off spacewalk video with bubbles coming out of spacesuits. So clearly that was shot in a pool. But anyhow, I rambled a bit, Jason. Well, to, to address the pool, 
There is a life-size but not entirely complete mock-up of the ISS in a large swimming pool at the Neutral Buoyancy Lab, which is a NASA facility located approximately 20 minutes from the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. So, and, and there's tons of video of this. This isn't even remotely being hidden. Uh, the mock-up is 40 feet below the pool's surface. It is stated that the water is crystal clear and totally calm, enabling you to see everything in detail. Uh, the pool is stated to be 202 feet long, 102 feet wide, and 40 feet deep, holding 6.2 million gallons of, gallons of water. Now, the <laughs> ISS sure the, is... What's that? Go, I was just going to say, I'm sure the numerologists would have fun with that, but go ahead. <laughs> the ISS is stated to be 350 feet by 240 feet currently. So, as a whole, it won't fit into the pool. So, the different modules uh, that didn't fit are in different parts of the pool so they could do their training with them. Uh, everything a training astronaut does in the pool is said to be a simulation as accurately as possible of what they would be doing in space. <clears throat> so anyone who wants to go out and begin to look up images for the neutral buoyancy lab, um, I did this some years ago. And as I stated, I could find a couple. There seems to be there is a green screen. You can get images of it if you look hard enough, but it's like hidden. It retracts or rolls up or something. But here's the thing. When I was looking back then, what I noticed is like 98% of all the snapshots inside the pool area were shot with a fisheye lens. And every time I see that, um, I'm already saying, why not just shoot it with a regular lens? Why? What's the point? You could take three shots if you need them. You could do whatever you want to present these nice HD images, but instead they use a fisheye which jacks up the whole image. Um, it makes no sense. The argument, of course, is we're using a fisheye so we can fit you know, all this area into one snapshot. But for my money, that's nonsense. People interested in seeing something like a lab of this type are interested in some quality imagery to see where all these amazing things are being done. And yet what we're being handed is fisheye snapshots. And again, if you dig, you can find a couple that show there is a green screen there, which means flat out they are filming. Yep. And I didn't see the green screen in any of them, but there's certainly enough space for there to, to be the one there. See, it seems like it rolls up. Um, the, the one shot that I had found back then that was the best, you could see it just under the surface of the water all the way in the back of the shot, but you could see that it wasn't hanging down. So it seemed to me maybe it was being rolled up. Well, since it's in, in water, I, I don't know, maybe they, there's some sort of uh, physical property that they don't want it constantly rolled down anyway, you know? Yeah, they probably just don't want people seeing, you know, that that it's possible they're filming with a green screen in there. I uh, would that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, one of the other things that really stood out to me, and I noticed this very early on, a lot of the videos have very loud noise in the background that uh, greatly resembles like you're on a jet. And I have flown a lot on commercial jetliners all over the country, and um, yeah, that's pretty much what it sounds like. Now easy counter argument for that of course is that that's the air conditioning system or the life support system or whatever and you know what that that one could be fair but what i would ask is why didn't i hear this stuff on apollo or numerous other things that i've looked at in the past few weeks well there's a problem with that because not all all supposed iss video does not have this sound on the clip that i posted i don't know a few months ago um right before i left san diego on the lady supposedly washing her hair um, with a waterless shampoo but still using some water flinging water all over the inside of that place of all things um you could almost i i had isolated the audio um around 
you know, just kind of clipped her voice out so that I could hear that hum. And what you, what some people had said, and I agree with it, it sounds like a jet engine and it does, but you can hear it revving up. And one of the arguments that was made was that this was shot on the vomit comet and you're hearing the engines react to the parabolic arc. Um, this is a hard thing to prove, but again, we have plenty of ISS video where there is no big engine sound, so it just doesn't add up. Right, and and being an audio guy, that's things I, I listen for. Like, what am I hearing in the background? How If they're faking this or if they're not faking it, there are things that should, there should be consistencies, you know? And a lot of people overlook the audio, but that, that the audio would be the thing that really is telling. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt. As a matter of fact, you know, that might be a thing for you to do. You should go back and look at that um, ISS fraud footage that I did on YouTube, the clip I did for YouTube, and just grab it and uh, and isolate out. It's such a good example. Or go find the original clip. It's not hard. I forget what the astronaut, the supposed astronaut's name is. Um, but you you totally get the sense that it is an airplane jet engine and that it is revving at certain points. Well, if it's if it's going up and down, if it's modulating like that, then that's that is obviously machinery doing something or it's a doppler effect well in that one clip as i've mentioned so many times what struck me and what got me to do the clip is i'm a video editor and i know how easy it is to do shenanigans with video and really change what the viewer thinks they are looking at even simple things like changing the speed Every time I ever edit video for YouTube, I always tell people, okay, this is at 50% speed, or I added contrast or brightness. I try to tell every time because it really can change the impression. What I noticed in that clip is that they were playing it off as if it was a continuous shot. And the first thing I noticed is that there were these sneaky cuts with a light flash being put over them and an audio soundtrack to lead your mind away from the fact that there was a cut going on. But the funny thing was, is that I noticed where the cut was, all of a sudden, pop up a little bottle would be there that wasn't there right before the cut. Um, it wasn't even that well done. And there's no reason for these types of shenanigans to go on. But anyhow, let, let's keep moving here, Jason. Sure. Now, one of the really big, probably one of the biggest, uh, occurred on July 16th, 2013, when nearly a gallon of cold water flooded the spacesuit helmet of an astronaut during an EVA within a few seconds, nearly drowning him. At the time, NASA had no explanation for the incident, although it was later said to be a leak of the suit's water cooling system. Uh, they've now introduced snorkels in each of the helmets on the, the space station to help combat this problem should it occur in any future endeavor while using those same suits. <laughs> now, I, that I mean, seems really messed up to me. I, I mean, it almost seems like a few things are going on here. It almost seems like the whatever it is, the third law of alchemy, temp temporarily, you know, tipping your hand and letting be visible what was previously not, you know, maybe the idea of space is water. But, um, you know, water leaks into a guy's helmet, supposedly he almost drowns and they have no explanation. Well, I've got an explanation. He was in a pool. There's the simplest explanation. If I'm wrong, NASA, tell me why I'm wrong. But until you can do that, that is the simplest explanation. Well, they also stated very distinctly that it was cold water. I, I don't know if, if, if there indeed there's a, a water coolant system, would that water stay cold? Or would it be warm from heat transfer? I, I don't know. Maybe someone else can answer that. But it was weird that they, they blatantly stated that it was cold water. Yeah, I guess to play it off as the cooling system, um, 
I, I don't even know where to go with this, but I would also point out, um, having lived in San Diego, I've known so many pools in my life. It costs a lot of money to heat a pool. So when you're looking at a pool the size of this pool that houses part of the ISS mock-up, that'd be a heck of a bill to heat, you know, constantly heat a pool like that. But not only that, um, if you were filming in it, heat in the water would give you that oasis effect at times. So I would imagine if you wanted to film in a crystal clear pool where you've ionized it or however they keep it so clear, um, you would want it to be cool so that the filming would be better. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, next up, we have a clip called Cupola First Light in HD is the actual official name of it that's floating around. You can go watch it yourself. And that's one of the modules that has seven windows in it. But it looks like when they're showing uh, in this particular clip, bubbles going by the outside of the windows. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess it could be written off as particles, but sure as hell looks like air bubble or uh, yeah, air bubbles to me. Well, I saw some YouTuber, I forgot who, do you know they covered the Coppola um, or the viewing platform, whatever. But the funny thing was. They had all this HD video, and not once did they show you what you could see through these supposed windows. But I'll have to go look at that, Jason. Um, if it's a if it's another bubble enigma, you know, I guess someone ought to post that video and get it out there. And that's an that's another one in in you know another feather in the hat of guys. Why are you not sticking an iPhone out the window and, and it, so everyone goes, "Holy shit!" I mean, come on, th th that's ridiculous, you know. Well, there it is. Any reasonable person who was actually in space, who actually had free time in a camera, which clearly they do. Um, they got plenty of free time up there. They're playing keyboards and guitars and um, doing interviews left and right and Skyping with Susan Sarandon, of course, because Hollywood is never more than a stone's throw from NASA. Um, any reasonable person would point that camera out the window and show what few Earth-based telescopes could even approach because there's no atmosphere, we are told. Um, you looked at, you know, Saturn or Jupiter or Mars or the Orion Nebula or any of the things that I have pointed my scope at would be many hundreds time better view simply because you're outside the atmosphere, we are told. Yeah, the, the Coppola window module thing, it, it kind of reminded me of the Millennium Falcon cockpit. Right. So, I mean, and if you think back to Star Wars, like, that's really open is what I'm getting at. Like, you, the whole point behind that design is that it's supposed to be secure, but there's so much window space you can look around and get a very good sight of what's around you. I, I, come on, guys, show it to us, you know? I come yeah, Exactly. Um, so here's this Coppola that's supposed to be like this big 360 viewing port, but no one gets to view anything. And I would also point out, what about all these supposed micrometeorites? I mean, is that bulletproof glass? What do you got going on there? And even if it was bulletproof glass, um, the description of micrometeorites we have been handed at times uh, would make a bullet look like it was traveling in reverse just about the way that they're saying the speeds of these things and how dangerous they are. Uh, none of it holds water, man. None of it. Right. And uh, speaking of the Coppola windows, uh, there's a video that shows a walk through the station and the person goes into node three and it has a cut scene. You know, there's an edit. Uh, after the edit, a blue light is all of a sudden on right in front of you. Uh, and perhaps that's to simulate the light of the earth coming through the seven windows of the Coppola module. It, it, it reminded me of the um, the unedited reel of the Apollo footage that Bart Sabrell got where they were look like they were setting up shots and things like that to be cut later. It, right. It, it, it just reminded me of more of that kind of thing, you know? Right. It's one of those things where you don't need to examine it. You just look at it 
and you understand the ring of truth is not there and you label it what it is. It's fraud. Um, it, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. If a new model of truck comes out in the world, you can go look up what colors it comes in, how many horsepower it has, all these things about the truck. And there's no mystery to it. There's no arguable points to it because the truck is a real thing. People can look at the real thing and write down what they know about the real thing. They can take a picture of this real thing and all this information. And even though there may be a mistake here or there, overall, there is no mystery. There's no Sherlock Holmes thing to hook people into. It's simply data about a thing ex that exists. And this is one good measurement you can take when you look at video like this, because if you just turn off your critical you know, detail monitor and take in the video and just ask yourself, is the ring of truth here? You're going to find that quite often, actually most of the time with the ISS, there is no ring of truth in what you're being presented with. And not only that, it opens up all these mysteries. And again, you know, I, I've almost done clips now to posit the idea that whenever mainstream sources provide a mystery, you're looking at nonsense. It's almost like mystery was invented for the nonsense that the mainstream media uh, you know, kicks out to us. That little hook that hooks so many people. Um, oh, I've got to know more. Well, why isn't this right? Well, how can that be? Oh, well, that's interesting. You know, these things that pull your mind away from your higher self that would easily recognize the fraud. Um, but anyhow. Well, what what's interesting about all of this, and, and again, there's other video shots from inside the station that are supposed to be continuous that have blatant signs of editing going from module to module. Right. But what I don't understand is if they've got the the bud <clears throat> the the kind of budgets that they're supposed to have, uh, be be given every year, how are they not doing this better? Like it should be seamless and flawless. It should look like a, a major Hollywood production because they've got more money than that. Well, you know, that's another thing that's always got me, too. Um, let's think back a short while ago to when they produced or released the movie Gravity with, uh, who was it, George Clooney and, and Sandra uh, Bullock. Yeah, Sandra Bullock. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing because it was just a bit too much for me. But what I did watch left me understanding one thing. If you were a person who never knew there was a thing called Hollywood, who believe fervently that there's a thing called space in the way it's been described and you were shown that movie you would never be able to tell you would be thinking the whole time this must have been shot in space if you were told that you would believe it is that good i mean it is beyond that good it is amazing it, it looks better than reality right i mean it, it is so over the top well done and then here we come back to nasa with these cheesy cuts and things blinking on screen and green screens failing in the background, people being suspended from cables, people being hung upside down, people on vomit comets to simulate zero G, all this nonsense going on in the videos. And yet we have footage of a supposed astronaut up in space Skyping with Susan Sarandon in Hollywood. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, why, why doesn't Hollywood step up and, you know, make the footage so good that it would be difficult to take apart. It should be able to be done. And these inconsistencies we're seeing, it's just hard to, to write them off. And, you know, maybe this, this lends more credence to the Kubrick theory for, for Apollo because they knew they had to get that one so good, for the time at least, that people couldn't tear it apart until we got into the information age, you know? Yeah, and it comes back to this kind of, spellcasting that I talked about in 9-11, I am convinced that 
the the 9-11 ritual is intended to be discovered. Um, and it's not only intended to be discovered, but it's intended to be discovered in certain ways. In other words, this part of it is supposed to be discovered first, next, next, next. And it completes this spell of power that these people did, because now all these people have discovered what 9-11 was, and yet nothing has been done about it, giving them almost implicit permission to have, have you know, have done what they did. Now, when we look at the crappy, crappy video that constantly comes from the supposed ISS that so many people rip to shreds, I mean, not really arguably, just clearly demonstrating that there is something wrong with this video, um, you have to ask, why aren't they doing it better? And I almost wonder if it's a similar thing where the lie is so immense that we have been told about space, that we've been told about the Apollo missions, that we've been told about anything about space, that they're almost doing a sloppy job so that the people that are accepting it, they can basically say those stupid monkeys should have been smart enough to understand what was going on here, and yet they couldn't, so they get what they deserve or, or something along those lines. It's, it's really hard to describe, but I, I hope you see what I'm getting at here. Well, but Neil deGrasse Tyson gets on lots and lots and lots of television and radio programs and says you're an idiot. Well, Neil Myass Tyson, I would not trade positions with for love or money. Um, he's a silly man, and he's defending things that are reaching the point of indefensibleness. And even if people want to set aside what space may be still, I understand. Even if they want to set aside things like the ISS, I kind of understand. You look at it, you'll, you'll, you'll be feeling less optimistic about its reality. But the Apollo moonshot? No. I'm sorry. The Apollo moonshot is not one of these gray area things. It just isn't. Any person who has a brain who begins to methodically go at what we've been handed can instantly understand it is fraud. And yet we have this man, Neil Myass Tyson, constantly defending it. So, again, the ring of truth is not in that man. He is a defender, an agent of the system, and he has no concern for the average person on this world. Well, I brought him up because I saw a clip of him mixed in with the ISS stuff last night when I was watching these, where he said you could do calculations of the amount of fuel in the Saturn V rocket, and it's enough to get to the moon and back. And I was like, not according to Werner von Braun. <laughs> not, not just Werner von Braun. I mean, we did it in the last episode. Even the PhDs over at allus.com that went at it, and then independent people who did... Um, fact-checking on what was presented about the capability of the Saturn rockets, all three of those sources we just mentioned all said that the Saturn rocket's capability was extremely overstated, not even in the same ballpark. It seems like he's out there for damage control, to be honest with you, because he is well-spoken, he's charismatic, he's a good-looking dude. You know, he seems like he's just a figurehead. He's, he's, no, he's out there to, to, to do exactly what it is he's doing. Well, I mean, look, look at his job. You know, he's the head of the planetarium there in New York City, and he was instrumental in the whole Pluto nonsense. So you and I grow up in this world with nine planets. A lot of people tried to demonstrate who are into astrology in one way or another. And I want to preface this. Whether or not you believe in astrology, you can pretty much show that the elites encode things all the time with astrology. And it mostly has to do with the zodiacal signs and the sun and the moon and the planets. It's done all the time. Regardless of what you think about it, it has been demonstrated verbatim, even in the 9-11 ritual, that this is going on. So a bunch of people after 9-11 who 
I guess, look at astrology in a typical way, uh, as you would expect an astrologer to look at it. We're saying that Pluto was heavily influencing this whole thing. In other words, if you were to look at the sky during 9-11, there would be no getting away from Pluto and in this whole kind of ritualistic thing they were doing. Anyhow, we get beyond that, and here comes Neil deGrasse Tyson to help demote Pluto to a dwarf planet. <coughs> Excuse me. And I did clips on this. He even goes, uh, does a TV show where he goes to the hometown of the man who discovered it, who we're told was some janitor who worked and worked and worked. I forget the whole story about the guy who discovered Pluto. If I'm not mistaken, I hope I don't get this wrong. I think it's the telescope I looked through where Percival Lowell was. I think that's the in Flagstaff there. That, I hope I've got that right. If, if not, I apologize. But anyhow, pulling from memory. So he goes out and helps demote this planet. When I began to look at the language um, all around the demotion of Pluto, it was clearly more nonsense where the ring of truth was a million miles away. But what really struck me is at the time I was looking at the names of planets. All planets are named for mythical things that don't exist to, to start with, except our moon. And while people could argue that there is a name for our moon like lunar or something like this, the truth is, is we call it the moon. Yet every other moon has a name in the same way Earth basically means dirt. But not to sidestep too far here, I was looking at the idea of all these orbital model elements all being named after mythical, non-existence, fantasy-based things. During the demotion of Pluto, one of the excuses they used for the, demotion, for the demotion was there was these two other Kuiper Belt objects. For those who don't know what NASA claims the Kuiper Belt is, it's like this outer ring beyond Pluto of crap floating around in a big circle in their orbital model that doesn't exist. But these two objects were bigger than Pluto, and this is where the door slammed shut for me. One of the objects was named Easter Bunny, and the other object was named Santa. So I made a clip at the time uh, when I was talking about the Pluto nonsense that was going on. And, and I asked, um, are we doing serious things here? Is research in space and the naming of these massive objects that are so many millions of miles away from us, is that a serious endeavor? Because if it is, my contention would be they don't get named Easter Bunny. They don't get named Santa Claus and that that's just another poke in the eye. But anyhow, Jason, back to you. Yeah, you're totally right about all that, man. On to our inconsistencies. Uh, two astronauts who had been interviewed on camera at different times completely contradict each other as to what it is they do with their used toothpaste. Uh, the lady said you swallow it, and then the, the Russian guy just said you use a towel and even showed <laughs> that on camera. So <laughs> well, in this tiny little environment that's so small that they're interacting with each other, they're getting things wrong. Well, I hope the guy who swallows isn't using Colgate, because <laughs> if he is, he needs to, to read the poison warning on toothpaste. Um, if more for than those... a size amount is swallowed, call poison control immediately. And you know why? Because there's fluoride in it, and yep. fluoride is poison. Yep. Um, anyhow, <laughs> that kind of on the face of it shows you what you're looking at. The ring of truth is not there, is it? Mm -mm. Nope. Uh, we've already mentioned this briefly. There, there are scenes where it looks like astronauts are wearing harnesses and hooks, just like you would in a Superman movie or some, some such. Uh, <clears throat> and some of their movements really seem consistent with such. And then they're just doing what you do in the movies. You, you, you edit it out with, you know, you'd be standing in front of a green screen and then they chroma key it out in some way, shape or form. And, and this technology has been around for decades as far as Hollywood is concerned. That's 
when you see people hanging from helicopters or doing some amazing thing, gravity is just a more modern one where they did a hell of a job just making everything look incredible. But uh, The Matrix, all those amazing fight scenes, that's how all those were done. You can't Try see it. any freaking wires. I mean, that, that stuff is nearly flawless. That, move, that movie blew people's minds when it came out. It looks so damn good. That's right. It's the Hong Kong Kung Fu wire system, isn't it? Um, that's that's where that was really pioneered, I believe, the use of wire in that way. But let's remember back to Apollo, where uh, it's been pretty much demonstrated that some of the falling astronaut footage was standing back up, the weights being removed by a wire system. And there are some images where supposedly we can see the wires, but it's, it's tougher to, to make a provable case for that. But I would also point out, we do have footage that we're told is being filmed in the ISS that we can pretty much demonstrate was shot in front of a blue screen or a green screen because we can see the anomalies that go on when the chroma key isn't perfect. Yeah, and that's the thing. Chroma key really isn't perfect, especially if you try and do it uh, quickly. If you try and do it in live time, it's not perfect. Um, CNN does it a lot, and, and it's very noticeable. Um, kind of looks like old Doctor Who, where you can see the edges and stuff like that. And here's the thing. Hollywood isn't doing it in live time. The reason why Hollywood movies look so damn good is because they can take it frame by frame, and any inconsistencies can be digitally edited out. So gravity looks phenomenal and perfect because they're taking the time to do so. If you're doing something in live time, you're kind of at the mercy of a lot of things really you know that make sure the com the computer didn't do uh, a calculation that that took it away for a second and you see someone's nose disappear or something like that but uh to to back that up there is a scene that i watched where an astronaut's arm disappears while going around a corner and that is very indicative of image layering and green screen techniques because <laughs> that's the chroma that's key right. didn't just didn't do it quite right so people understand how chroma key works is like this um Usually they use a blue or a green screen behind a foreground image that they want to keep, and then they punch out the green screen behind and add a new background, basically. Um, the way it works is the reason the green looks so artificial is because they need a color that doesn't match any skin tone or any of the clothing or any of the things they want to stay in the image. And when chroma key goes wrong, typically what has happened is when they when the green screen the green from the green screen or the blue screen is being punched out it was too close to one of the foreground colors so like if an arm disappears it's just the chroma key taking too much away if i i, I hope people understand yeah you explained that right basically what it is is the com the computer it, it, it's a color that's it's like a lime green if no one's ever seen it but you probably have most people have seen some sort of behind the scenes of, of, a, of a movie or tv show it's a it's a, a very like very disgusting lime green that almost nobody would ever wear or have on them and right. what, what you do is you tell and i've used software that does this this is how i know this so well you tell the computer that color remove it 100 percent Right. And since no color is 100% pure, um, you usually have to make adjustments, but it's gotten much better. So they'd use lighting. Like if you had a supposed astronaut in the foreground, you could use lighting to ensure that he's very well lit and that there's no color in his image that you want to keep that's even close to the blue or the green that you're going to punch out. But anyhow. Yeah, well, the, um, the lighting consistency is, is the thing. If, if ever something is very well lit, it means that the, the color the computer is looking for is going to be more consistent across the whole spectrum because the light is making sure that the thing is well lit and there's no shadows or things that could be it could misconstrue. That's right. And you could also tint the color of light that is lighting 
the people you want to keep um, to ensure that there are no greens that will get bled into the chroma key and remove. But there's there's more than one image or more than one video of people turning a corner and part of their body being chroma keyed out or, as you pointed out, an arm disappearing. But anyhow, Jason, that takes us to the top of the hour. Um, do you want to add anything in before we take the break and come back for the second hour? Uh, there's a whole lot more we're going to get at. Um, I'm going to leave folks with this last fact just to kind of hook them in for the for the rest. I looked at I went back and looked at Skylab stuff and the Skylab module rooms seem to have been much larger than any of this stuff and this was in the very early 70s. This is like just immediately after Apollo technology and there's this giant room that that the astronauts are floating around in and all that and um is this another case of technology going backwards again, decades <laughs> after huge accomplishments have already been made? And to top it, I, you know, I'll have to go look at that, Jason, um, because that rings a bell with me. I was looking at Skylab when I was pricing out. You know, they were making the argument that Skylab and the the uh, space shuttles would be much cheaper, which, of course, they were many times more expensive. But I looked up the mission state, one of the mission state uh, statements for Skylab where one of the main purposes was to do all this amazing science. And for the life of me, I looked and looked. I didn't find any amazing science that came out of Skylab. And again, you know, it's the absence of the ring of truth here. Yeah. So um, check that out. Check that one out as well, folks. Go look at the Skylab pictures, then look at the tiny little rooms that uh, you're seeing on the ISS. And maybe that's because it's modular. You know, I always try and look at both sides of the argument. Um it's modular. It's sent up in pieces. Okay, maybe, but I don't know. I still think they could, they could do better. <laughs> you think? Uh, let's go back to the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights in black and white and look at all the amazing space things we're supposed to have in the near future, which we never saw. But anyhow, that brings this part of episode 41 on the International Space Station to a close. When we come back, we're going to cover... Just a litany of things from live stream videos people can look up, just an endless list of things that people can go examine if they still are interested in challenging what is called the International Space Station. So there it is. Cheers. Cheers. 